this is the last part of our four-part sermon series, New Year, New Nets. I thought about continuing it on through March, but I figured that New Year didn't, just, it didn't sound right in the month of March. Uh, so we're, we're going to transition by next week and stuff. But New Year, New Nets. For those who are catching up with this series, essentially what we're talking about is just like the disciples when Jesus looked for his first partners in declaring that the kingdom of God is near. He looked for fishermen who knew how to cast nets, yes, but they also knew how to mend nets. Remember that in Mark chapter 1, they, they, they had come back to shore. They, they had just finished casting their nets, but then they realized that they needed to mend their nets too. And so we're recognizing that in order to effectively cast nets into this community, to reach people for the kingdom of God, we must be intentional about mending our own nets. And those nets take a lot of different shapes and sizes. Really what they are, they're, they're knots of relationships. Knots of relationships. Relationship with God relationship with one another. When those relationships are broken in any way or frayed or weakened, our net casting is ineffective and futile. We'll come back with empty nets. And so the, the last few weeks we've been asking the question, just kind of reflecting personally, what is the condition of my not with God? What is the condition of my not with God? And we've realized that there are certain things Obviously, many things, but, but really a, a few key things that weaken or tend to weaken are not with God. A few weeks ago, we looked at sin and how sin just really severs our relationship with God. It breaks that trust. We've, we've looked at last week, we looked at inattention. Just the, the, the carelessness about our relationship actually allows for a, a relational drift to settle in. And so we looked at that last week. And today what we're looking at is the factor of difficulties, life's hurts and disappointments, and that difficulties can fray our connection with God. So what's the condition of your not with God? Um, as we consider this a little bit more deeply, I, I want to recognize today that, um, that any one-size-fits-all answer will fall short. <laughs> because life difficulties and life disappointments come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. And it affects us in all different ways. But I want us to consider this together, at least give it a shot from God's word. So let's pray together as we dive in. <clears throat> Father, I want to thank you for being the God whose name is near. It's a beautiful name. It's wonderful and it's powerful. And Lord, as we approach your throne of grace boldly, in our times of need, uh, we thank you for the assurance that we will obtain grace and find mercy. Lord, uh, we're, we're wanting to approach this question today. How do we deal with difficulties that we can or not with you? And um, I just thank you so much that your Holy Spirit is somehow able to take this word and make it alive. That you're able to speak to us exactly what we need to hear. And so we just give you permission to do what only you can do, and that's to guide us into all truth, not just for information's sake, but for transformation's sake. So thank you in advance for doing that, because we're seeking you. In Jesus' saving name, let the family say, Amen. 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 All right, so difficulties. How many of us have experienced that? <laughs> what? Am I the only one with the problem-free life? I'm just kidding. <laughs> The reality is difficulties, disappointments, they happen. Life's mishaps and hurts leave us 
oftentimes they leave us with a faith that's fragile, right? And it leaves us with little capacity to try to lead others to faith. Have you ever tried that? <laughs> I mean, you know, um, it, it gives us little capacity to, to trust God. The, reali- the reality is that with sin um, or, or inattention, we recognize our responsibility there. When, when we've sinned, when we've been inattentive to our relationship with God, we know that we're responsible for breaking trust or at least not even giving time to build that trust. But when life difficulties happen, it actually... Uh, it makes us feel as though trust has been broken, yes, but not because of something we did. Right? Actually, if, I know I'm not the only one, but sometimes these leave us feeling, God, what did you do here? Right? Why did you break trust here? Let's admit it. When we feel like that, it's hard to lead someone else to a saving relationship of trust in God when we ourselves feel so beaten up by life that our trust in God is shaky at best or a facade at worst. Yeah. Let's admit it. Um, and, and maybe it, 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 the reality is it's hard to cast nets when that knot needs mending. But have you ever met someone who has really been through it, like really been through the fire, and that somehow they still have a genuinely strong knot with God? Have you ever met someone like that? Man, their testimony bears so much weight. Not because they're problem-free. You know? Not even because they've, uh, that problem has been resolved. They, they may still be in the midst of just kind of dealing with it. you know. But the fact that they are still able to have this strong connection with God, actually coming out with a stronger knot with God than they did before, man, that's... That's overcoming by the word of their testimony, so to speak. That's, that's the reality of like, whoa, that's an example I, I am inspired by and lifted up by. And so the question I want to ask is, how do I get there? <laughs> how do we get there when we're slapped upside the head by certain things and our not with God is weakened? Our trust in God is slow. Um, and again, there's no one size fits all answer. But today I want to look at a story that has spoken to me recently. And I think that the Bible is filled with stories for that particular reason because stories, more than just propositions, you know, stories allow us to see ourselves there and they allow us, no matter what our situation, our situation could be completely different than this story today. But I hope and pray that it'll paint a picture of how hearts that are in the aftermath of life's disappointments can somehow recognize God's presence. And so go with me, if you will, Luke Chapter 24, last chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Luke is in the New Testament. You've got Matthew, Mark, then Luke. Luke chapter 24. We're going to start in verse 13. And I hope, you know, obviously none of us have really been in this exact situation as these two individuals. Uh, One of them is named, another is not. They're just two disciples. Two sad and disappointed disciples. The third day after the crucifixion. This is now Sunday. We know it as Resurrection Sunday. These two disciples in real time, they had no clue what what was significant about this day. They knew it was the third day of their greatest disappointment. Jesus, their hope of hopes has just been taken away from them. And now they're hearing reports that physically his body has been taken away. And they don't know how to make sense of anything here. And so here we are, Luke chapter 24, 
We're going to start in verse 13. If you're there, go ahead and say amen. Amen. All right, Luke 24. I'm reading from the New King James Version today. The Bible says this, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So here, just kind of gathering the picture there. These are two dis- disappointed disciples. Maybe they're just kind of head bowed, shoulders kind of slouched. They're, 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 their eyebrows are furrowed and they're just not quite sure what in the world just happened here. But at least they have each other and they're talking. They've been through it together. So they're kicking rocks, so to speak. Seven miles away from Jerusalem is this town called Emmaus. And they're headed there. And it says that uh, they're, they're talking together of these things in verse 4. In verse 15, it says, So it was while they conversed and reasoned. And this is all that they can do. They, they don't know what else to do except just kind of talk out loud and think out loud and process and reason, the Bible says. And it's very interesting. You know, last week we were looking at the story of Mary and Joseph seeking after Jesus, right? Um, and the, the Greek word there was zeteo or anazeteo. They were looking up and down everywhere, not leaving any stone unturned. They were seeking. Zeteo is the root word there. And what's interesting is that in verse 15, is that while they conversed and reasoned, it's sunzeteo. It's, it's another form of that seeking, but now they're just seeking it together. They're trying to reason it out together. They're disputing. So they're really just trying to make sense of their disappointment here. They're still reeling from the shock of unfulfilled hopes and expectations. And we can all insert our own unfulfilled hopes and expectations just kind of in, in, in this story. We can insert our own disappointments here. You know, that, that prayer that was supposed to be answered. That marriage that was supposed to last. That cancer that was never supposed to come back. That person of trust in my life who is always supposed to be trustworthy. Whatever the disappointment, we end up walking away from the hurt. We try at least to distance ourselves. Disappointed. Distancing ourselves from from that dashed hope or unfulfilled expectation. And what does God do with us when our heads are hung, when our hearts are hurt? How does God treat us then? I love the rest of verse 15. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near. If you ever wonder, man, what is God up to up there? You know, like, what is he doing? Have, have all my emails just gone to the spam folder? You know, have, have, where, where is he right now? I want to tell you, Jesus is near. Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. They were trying to get away, but Jesus was going with them. God has not abandoned us. When our knot feels weakened by disappointments, God has not abandoned us. Take it to the bank. He's actually near in the midst of our disappointments. Sometimes, oftentimes, we're not able to recognize him. Not able to recognize him. These two, they had no clue. In real time, if you keep reading the story, in verse 16, their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Has that ever happened to you? 
You, you're in the midst of hurt, like this terrible tragedy. What in the world just happened? And you feel like God is far, far away, anywhere but here. The reality is He is near to your broken heart. He is near to your broken heart. Just ask Mary. Mary, Resurrection Sunday. She thinks it's a gardener that is cleaning up around the tomb. Where is Jesus? He's right there. She couldn't see him through the tears. In Mark chapter 4, the stormy sea, these disciples, they're straining at the oars, trying to keep the boat afloat. And and it's pitch black. Waves are coming over, crashing over. And they realize that Jesus is still in the boat. He's still here. Sometimes we don't see it because of all the extraneous stuff, because of the emotional baggage that, and hurt of, of the experience. But Jesus is near. He himself drew near, went with him, journeyed with them through this valley of the shadow, so to speak. And in verse 17, he's now engaging them in conversation. I tell you what, God is actually trying to speak to us in our times of hurt. It says, he said to them, verse 17, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? I mean, that's to put it lightly, right? They're, they're, they're sad. They're definitely heartbroken. And this is how we feel in the wake of life's tragedies and trials. Our faith is fragile. Our hearts are broken and burdened. But God is not far. God is not far, even though we feel as if he's absent. Uh, the verse of the day on the Bible app today. Um, I'm convinced that neither life nor death, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things to come, nor things present can ever separate us from the love of God. Your hurt, your disappointment, your tragedy, your trial is not going to separate you from the love of God. Even if you feel that way, you are not separated from God's love. In fact, Jesus is even nearer. And in verse... uh, you know, I mean, the story continues. They're trying to inform Jesus now as if he has no clue. Uh, are you the only stranger just visiting town? And this is what happened. Jesus of Nazareth, he was a prophet that we thought was going to be, you know, the king of the world, you know, the Messiah, the promised one. And they're, they're basically explaining how all their hopes had been dashed. Now, this is the third day since then. And his tomb is empty. I mean, they're basically talking prophecy and they don't even know it, Right. And then in verse 25, Jesus kind of cuts to their heart, gets to the anatomy of, you know, what the real diagnosis is. In verse 25, then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe. Slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. I think Jesus here pinpoints the heart issue behind the distance that difficulties cause us to feel. The distance we feel is is that our hearts, because of, of all that emotional experience, all that tragedy, all that hurt, whatever that situation was and the collateral damage that it, it involved, the issue behind the distance we feel is that our hearts slowed down. Our hearts are not quick to trust anymore. Does that make sense? Our hearts are slow to believe and trust God. Those difficulties, they make us feel hesitant to trust God. They make us feel as if we need to have caution and hold back with reservation when it comes to trusting God. That's the weakened not with God. I mean, we we experience this in our human relationships. When there's hurt, we're slow to believe, right? We're slow to keep trusting. And this happens even in our vertical relationship. 
that life difficulties, challenges, things that don't go right or the way that we expect, it makes us slow in our hearts to believe. But I tell you what, when we're slow of heart to believe, when we're devastated by life's hurt, that's when we need to trust Him the most. Right? That's when we need to lean into Him the most. I mean, that is not the time to run away. That is the time to run to Jesus. I think the disciples understood this. I mean, they kind of gave voice to this. And in John chapter 6, Jesus says some difficult things. You know, this is a hard saying. And a lot of disciples, it says, a lot of the crowd who are kind of following, they they called themselves disciples. But a lot of the crowd, they left Jesus. And then Jesus turns to his 12. And and he asks, are you going to leave too? And then Peter pipes up, as he naturally does. And he says, to whom else would we go? Think about to whom else would we... You have the words of eternal life. There's no other option here. In Philip Yancey's book, Reaching for the Invisible God, he, he references a Scottish preacher of the 1800s. And his wife, the Scottish preacher's wife, had, had passed away suddenly. And after her death, he preached an unusually personal sermon the following Sunday. He admitted in that message that I don't understand life right now. I can't make sense of all these things. But what I don't understand even more is that people who are facing loss could ever abandon God. And he said this, abandon it for what? He said, you people in the sunshine may believe the faith, but we in the shadow must believe it. We have nothing else. Man, when we're slow of heart to believe, that's the time when we need to believe the most. So how how do we then reverse our slowness? (laughs) How do we quicken and revive our hearts to believe? What, What was it that helped these disciples that Jesus was journeying with and near to? How did they become quicker of heart to believe? How did they mend their knot with God? All right, so let's look at now some mending steps. And I think... uh, Basically, what we're going to find are two, two essential experiences that mended their knot. So verse 25 again, Jesus addresses this question. He, he, kind of, or not, he, he addresses what their real issue is, I should say. Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. And he continues, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? In verse 27, notice what he does. His first remedy. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets... He expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning who? Himself. The things concerning Himself. In other words, He was trying to reveal Himself to them. Specifically through the scriptures. I would say this, when our hearts are slowed by suffering and disappointment, this is what we need to do first. We need to look Jesus, a revelation of Jesus somewhere, especially in the scriptures. We need to look for Jesus to believe that he's present. I mean, last week we talked about assuming his presence among us, even though we haven't been giving careful attention. But this time we're talking about in our hurt, we can believe that his promise of Psalm 34 verse 18 is real. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He's there. He's there. We, We just may not see him. So look, we need to pray to look for Jesus. I would say that's mending step number one, to pray to see Jesus. 
to pray, to see a revelation of Jesus, to recognize him somewhere in this situation. For the two disciples, they needed to see Jesus in the scriptures. They needed to know that. They needed to have their eyes open to see himself in all the scriptures. What they needed was not more Bible knowledge because I believe that the prophecies that Jesus went through with them were probably all prophecies that they had read and even memorized as kids. What they needed to see was not more Bible knowledge. What they needed to see was a revelation of Jesus in that knowledge. Who he really was. The promised one and the promised keeper. That in the apparent disappointments, he was fulfilling his own plan to save and provide. And so maybe you're thinking, you're so, okay, so what? In our hurt and in our disappointments, do we just need a deep Bible study? I mean, is that what we need? And we, we need a deep Bible study in our seasons of trial and disappointment? Yes and no. <laughs> Yes and no. Um, <clears throat> a lot of times, I don't know if this is your default, but when I experience something that shouldn't have happened or I wish didn't happen, I will often ask, why? Why did this happen? And that kind of question, it, it kind of gives the impression that what I'm looking for is an explanation. But I would submit that in the midst of our hurt and suffering, we don't really need an explanation. We don't really need um, a breakdown of the reasons and the rationale. Um, I think what we want to know is whether God is still there and whether he's on my team. This is something that I'm, I'm still personally processing as a young parent. Uh, with, with my kids, I, I, there are times where they inflict pain upon one another. <laughs> there are times where they hurt each other's feelings. And I will try to sit and work it through with them. Right? And what they don't want to hear is, this is why I accidentally hurt you. Or this is why I did this or whatever. It, I mean, the explanation might be thorough and it might be legit, right? But it's not going to mend the heart. What hurts, even if there's pain, a bump, or something that happens in a situation where they know that they're playing together, that doesn't create hurt. But it's when there's uncertainty. Are you on my side or not? That's when there's hurt. Anyways, I don't know. This is still fresh for me just because of some recent conversations with my kids. But um, the reality is that I feel that in those moments, what we're not, I guess we ask why, but we're not looking for why. We're looking for where. Where are you? That's what our heart really wants to know. Are you on my team still or not? Are you still here with me? Can I still trust you? Again, the slowness of our hearts to believe. And I've found that God can answer that question in a lot of ways if we're, if we're looking for him to do so. If we're assuming that he's going to answer with a yes, right? He'll reveal that assurance. He'll, he'll remind us that he is there in a lot of different ways. If we're assuming that he's near, if we're assuming that we haven't been separated from the love of God, if we know that we, we just don't see him through the tears, right? And I found that the clearest way that he does that is through scripture, which is what he was doing with the two disciples here. The clearest way he does that is by allowing me to see him in his word. I mean, what, what, what's, what's your response in crisis? You know, when you're kind of reeling from shock and just like, what in the world just happened? How do you resolve the emotional question of where is God in this? 
I would submit to you that just as Jesus took the disciples first to the word, he wants to take us to the word too. Not just to give us answers again, but to give us the awareness that he is there, that he is still on your team. The assurance of his presence. He wants to reveal himself, his presence, his purpose through a revelation of himself in the word. And, you know, my mind just quickly flashes back to July 22 of this past year. I mean, that, that was probably the scariest day of my life where my youngest son, Jacob, goes from being this happy-go-lucky kid who's playing on the beach to being a kid who's in the fire pit. And I'm not sure the extent of the damage. That was one of the scariest days of my life. And I looked back at my journal recently, and then on July 23... The word that I was reading that morning was Psalm 34. We've already kind of quoted it here today. But it starts out, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Man, go there. Just go there. Because I can't quote it. (laughs) In Psalm 34, Jesus was revealing himself to me. the wee hours of the morning on July 23 I was headed back to the hospital to see what next you know what's what's the next procedure how, how are we going to make things work I will bless the Lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth my soul shall make its boast in the Lord the humble shall hear of it and be glad oh magnify the Lord with me let us exalt his name together verse 4 I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all That's who he is. That's who he is. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. Delivers them. That fire, that burn, that could have been a lot worse. 9% of that little boy's body was burned. Second and third degree burns. But nothing of upper body, nothing of his face, nothing of that was going to permanently damage him. And in verse 18, again, we've already said it, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. Save such as have a contrite spirit. This is why we have tissue under every row. (laughs) Oh, man. Anyways, you get this, guys. The Lord wants to give us not just an explanation. He wants to give us an assurance that he is right there. And he does it most clearly. Obviously, he does it in many, many other ways. I mean, Dominic, you were telling me a story about how God was just reminding you, like when Layla was hospitalized last week, you know, that that God hasn't forgotten you, that he still cut you back. And one day I want you to share that testimony. I mean, he does it through a lot of different people. There were people that called Dave, thank you for calling. (laughs) There were people that gave. But God most clearly reveals his presence through his word. Man, in Jeremiah 29, you know, there's some really awesome promises. uh, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to give you a hope in the future, not to harm you. And that would make it seem as though what God wants to give us are answers and explanations. But you know what the next verse says? Then you will call to me 
and pray to me and I will listen to you. And then in verse 13, it says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. In our hurt, I mean, Jeremiah 29, they were about to be taken captive to Babylon. That was hurtful. <laughs> that, was, that was devastating, life-changing for them. And sure, they wanted to know why. They wanted answers. They wanted to know what the next steps were, the explanations, but really what they needed. And God was ministering to them. When you seek me, you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. In our difficulties, when our hearts are slow to believe and trust, God wants to take us to the word to reveal himself as present and providing through it all. You'll find me. Find me. Ah. So back to Luke 22. When did they find him? (laughs) How did they recognize him? In verse, or I'll, I'll start in verse 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going. They were getting to their destination. He indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him. So Jesus is making as if, let's keep on going. But the disciples, these two, they, no, 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 we want to stay with you. They constrained him saying, abide with us. For it's toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. I love that about Jesus. Verse 30, now it came to pass he sat at the table with him that he took bread. Yeah? He took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Man, that's a, sim- that's a, fam- that's a formula that is given all throughout Scripture. Feeding of the 5,000, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it. Feeding of the 4,000, took bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it. Last Supper, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it. Yeah? We've seen this before. Okay? came to pass that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. I love God's sense of humor. You see me? No, you don't. Right? Oh, man. They recognized him. How? They recognized him in the breaking of bread. Verse 32, and they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us? While he talked with us on the road, while we're listening to him, while he opened up the scriptures to us. That is genuine heartburn right there. Biblical heartburn. In the breaking of bread, it's a metaphor of the word. Spiritual bread being broken in a way that they see not just answers, not just information, but that they see the revelation of Jesus himself. And that causes heartburn. Reconversion. Remember, their hearts were slow to believe. Now their hearts are lit up, kindled, rekindled, fired up, reconverted. We know Jesus. We've seen him. That revelation results in a faith rekindling, not slow anymore. This is a, a really uh, what this deserves or requires or behooves of us is to recover the art of breaking bread to see Jesus. Recovering the art, not just to, I mean, like we were talking about last week, not just to uh, read the Bible as something to do in the morning or as something to check off of a checklist, but to read the Bible in order to see Jesus. Again, in verse 27, 
Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. No matter where you are in this living book, there is a living person to see. His name is Jesus. Reading for relationship. By the way, I love the fact that in verses 28 and 29, prior to their experience of seeing the bread broken and seeing Jesus, there's an invitation for Jesus to abide. Right? Which means that this experience of seeing Jesus in the Word, this experience of seeing Jesus in the living bread, this is not a touch-and-go experience. This is something that involves an investment of time and relational stillness, so to speak. It didn't happen unless, until they invited Jesus to abide and stay and linger long. As, as we were talking about last week, lingering long in the circle of God's loving presence. When we strengthen this art, this habit in times of relative calm, I tell you what, it'll be saving grace in our times of chaos. <laughs> because we'll know how to see Jesus. Jesus will know how to expound the scriptures to us, the things concerning himself. So that's the, really, that's, that's the step, the mending step when our hearts are slow to believe. Pray to see Jesus, specifically pray to see Jesus in the word. In the word. But there's a second dynamic here that I think kind of rounds out this experience of amended heart. And that's not just to see Jesus, but to see other people too. Other people. Very interesting. Go, go with me now. Verse 32. Um, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? And notice what their immediate next response is. Verse 33. So they rose up that very hour. Remember, it had gotten late. That's why they invited Jesus to stay there. So this is probably past twilight, you know, past sunset. They rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, another seven-mile trip, and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered there, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. In other words, they ran back. They're not, is, they're, has been mended, and they're wanting to keep mending, not just their not, but others' knots with God. Their hearts are burning and they want to make sure others' hearts are burning. They're they're able to encourage and infuse hope to the hurting, able to positively impact the experience of others. And it makes me think of how, you know, the book of Hebrews, when you look at the book of Hebrews, this is written to a group of people who's not with God has been bashed by life difficulties. And you, man, we don't have time to study the whole book of Hebrews, but the two essential appeals of Hebrews is, look to Jesus, Right? Uh, what is it? Um, uh, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In, in Hebrews chapter 3, he says, consider the apostle of our faith, Jesus Christ. And then he's making this clear case about Jesus being a high priest that like no other. So look to Jesus. That's his first appeal. But his second appeal, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. Let us consider one another in order to spur each other on to love and good works. In other words, don't just consider Jesus. Consider other people and how you can encourage them. And by encouraging them, you're strengthening your not, even in the midst of your own difficulties. Whoa. Their knot was strengthened, and they immediately looked for ways to strengthen others not with God. Could it be that our not with God is strengthened as we seek to strengthen others' knots with God? 
There's a story in the, in the book Christian Service. Um, Ellen White writes this of a, of a man who, journeying on a winter's day through the deep, drifted snow, the polar vortex, or so to speak, right, uh, became benumbed by the cold, which was almost imperceptibly stealing away his vital powers. And as he was nearly chilled to death by the embrace of the Frost King and about to give up the struggle for life, he heard the moans of a brother traveler who was perishing with cold as he was about to perish. His humility was aroused to rescue him. He chafed the ice-clad limbs of the unfortunate man and after considerable effort raised him to his feet and as he could not stand, he bore him in sympathizing arms through the very drifts he had thought he could never succeed in getting through alone. And when he had borne his fellow traveler to a place of safety, the truth flashed home to him that in saving his neighbor, he had saved himself also, his earnest efforts to save another quickened the blood which was freezing in his own veins and created a healthful warmth in the extremities of his body. This is, this is a real deal. I've seen it. I've seen it. You know, I'm, I don't know if this is putting Kevin on the spot, but I remember visiting Kevin soon after, you know, uh, what was this? This was two Junes ago now, right? Soon after, and he's in Craig Hospital being rehabbed and stuff. And I tell you what, I was blown away as he was talking out loud. You know, maybe I'm here to bless somebody. <laughs> you know, maybe, there was this nurse that asked me this question. She looked through the, the promises that we had given. <clears throat> maybe that's why God has me here. What? You're thinking about how you can strengthen others while you yourself are being rehabbed? And I tell you what, I mean, this is not to say that that journey was easy for you, Kevin, right? (laughs) The journey continues. But there is strength as we strengthen others. Incredible. When we look for how to bless, when we look, when we pray to see not only Jesus, but when we're willing to see others and encourage others. I think those are things that God uses. He used it here, and He uses it in our own experience to strengthen our knot that has been frayed by distrust, wondering what in the world just happened. When we see Jesus, when we see others, God strengthens our knot with Him. So, in the midst of difficulties, maybe that's where we are right now. Maybe you're still, I mean, maybe you've distanced yourself from them, but, but your heart is still processing them. Maybe your heart become slow to believe or you know what that feels like i just want to appeal to us today let's look for jesus pray to see jesus assume that he's a believe that he's true to his promise the lord is near to the brokenhearted and save such as have a contrite spirit pray to see him not just his plan and his purpose but to see his presence some token something to remind you that he's there that he's on your side that's even when things aren't lining up in your circumstances that he is still by your side He'll reveal himself most clearly when we seek him. We assume that he's there and he'll reveal himself through his word. Again, not just for answers, but for the assurance of his presence. And I, I, I want to invite anybody who's, who's wanting to understand how to actually read the scriptures like that, how to read it so it's not just dry bread, so to speak. Um, but if you're wanting to know how to go through the scriptures, I, I want to invite you to, to fill out one of those next step cards and say, hey, I could you help me with some Bible studies here? Maybe it's going through some, some study guides that actually go through the doctrines. How do I see Jesus in the doctrines? Or maybe you just want to know how to read the Bible for relationship. 
I mean, that's something that I would love to be able to personally coach you in. There are others who would love to be able to do that too. And so if that's, if that's you, man, go ahead, fill that out on your next steps card. But yeah, again, if, if we're here, if we're in the midst of difficulty, let's pray to see Jesus and let's be willing to see others. Let's be willing to encourage, to pray for opportunities, not faking it till we make it, so to speak, but to recognize that God is there in the midst of trying to help and bless others too. Yeah. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I want to thank you so much for the living word. Thank you that you want to reveal to us, not just where you are, but who you are. And I ask God that today we would know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus himself draws near. Lord, I don't know the stories, the individual experiences, the hurts that make it hard to believe. But I ask God that you administer in a way that only you can. And that you would open our eyes to see Jesus. Lord, as we're processing and dealing with the junk of our lives, I pray also for the capacity to see Jesus in seeing others, to to actually look for ways to encourage and lift up others as well. Thank you, God, for speaking to us, we pray. In Jesus' saving name, let the family say, Amen. Amen. Amen.